agnostics, long-haired weirdos, short-haired weirdos, vandals, hooligans. The government has the government love. The government has the government love. The government Welcome to the Politics Guys, a place for bipartisan, rational, and civil debate on American politics and policy. I'm Michael Baranowski, a professor of political science at Northern Kentucky University. I'm joined today by my conservative counterpart, Cleveland area attorney and defender of freedom, Jay Carson. Hey, good morning, Mike. Hey, Jay, how are you doing this morning? Oh, I got I got nothing really. I'm afraid nothing nothing witty. Um, all right, well, but you know. We have a lot we want to get to today. It is the one-year anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. I want to talk a little about uh, Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy's interesting deal with Fox News' Tucker Carlson on those January 6th surveillance tapes and a couple of uh, interesting Supreme Court cases as well. So as always, we have a lot we want to talk about, and we're going to get to it in just one second. So, Jay, before we start with Russia's invasion at the one-year mark, there's sort of an update. Uh, last week on the show, listeners might recall that one of the topics we talked about was uh, mental health, cognitive uh, capabilities of elected officials, and it's in the light of the John Fetterman thing and Diane Feinstein and 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 Joe Biden concerns about at least from the right about his cognitive abilities. Well, Nikki Haley in her presidential announcement last week said, "In the America I see, the permanent politician will finally retire, will have term limits for Congress, and mandatory mental competency tests for politicians over seventy-five years old." Uh, now, Donald Trump responded to this on Truth Social by saying anybody, all caps, running for the office of president of the United States should agree to take a full and complete mental competency test uh, simultaneously or before with the announcement that he or she is running and likewise, but to a somewhat lesser extent, agree to a test which would prove that you are physically capable of doing the job. Being an outstanding president requires great mental acuity and physical stamina. If you don't have these qualities or traits, it is likely you won't succeed. MAGA. <laughs> so they, yeah. there you go. There really, uh, there really ought to be something sort of like an NFL combine kind of thing, right? You know, I, I like the, like a wonderlick test for uh, for candidates. Now, now, of course, it. Well, I mean, you have time and everybody in the forty, and then you have so many you know passes to complete, and you know maybe an obstacle course or something. Would I, I would pay to see Donald that. Trump do a cone drill, but that that's another story. But but you know it's interesting. Nikki Haley, I, I think at, there was one point at which she was considered a serious person, I, I suppose, by some people. But in, in the America, she. Sees uh, she she suggested uh, two uh, uh, unconstitutional things, right? Uh, uh, term limits for Congress and mandatory mental competency tests for politicians over seven. So I guess in the American, well, Nikki I Haley, they, they could be constitutional if you amended the Constitution to the, say the, that. There you go. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But, but but what do you? Th I mean, you know, last week when we were talking about this, I said it, it seems strange to me in a way that more candidates aren't calling for this sort of thing. And then Nikki, Nikki Haley was clearly listening to the show last week, I guess, decided she would. And and Donald, Tr Donald Trump sort of doubled down. And, uh, wh what do you make of this? Do you think this is the start of anything or are these just sort of, it's just a sort of empty bluster that's not going to lead to anything? No, this is this is the, the campaign statement to remind everyone I'm not old. Right. I don't, I don't know that, that uh, uh, she's seriously considering this this sort of thing. Um, as you said, I think it would be unconstitutional. Um, as I said last week, I think there are a whole host of other problems that go with it, even if it were constitutional. Um, 
I think it is is drawing a demarcation as to, um, you know, you, you don't want to um, contradict Donald Trump on policy, on being Donald Trump and so forth. And this is a a way that you can sort of uh, take a shot at Biden and Trump at the same time, um, essentially saying you're old, um, which is true, uh, and and differentiate herself uh, from Trump without necessarily um, turning off the Trumpists. That's that's my read on it. I mean, I, I don't I don't think it's it's um, again a serious platform type piece, right? Um, this is this is this is early, you know, just campaign positioning sort of stuff and trying to stake out the lane of I am I am the in the youth and vigor lane. Right. And and anyone. And, and of course, even if this were uh, to, to be the case, uh, Haley is, is 51. So she wouldn't be subject to this thing she's calling the, the old folks to be subject to. Right. So uh, but do you think that if, if somebody said which is which is. Which, which, can I just interject something? Is, is it weird? Because this to me seems like for you and me, this is like the first time I recall serious presidential candidates being younger than myself. This is what happens when we get old. And yourself. Yeah. I know. <laughs> sure. I mean, Barack Obama was was young, but he was still older than than me uh, and you. Um, but uh, and he was younger than than I am now when he took office. But. This is just, it's one of those things. Um, yeah, it's sort of, I had the same same feeling. There came a point in my life where the the sports figures, you know, that I, I watched and cheered for, I mean, you know, growing up as a kid, they're all grown ups and they're men and adults. And then all of a sudden you're, you're older than they are. It it happens. Yep. That's, that's neither, that's neither here nor there. And I apologize for the. No, not at all. I think, you know, uh, reflections I, no, I, on, just, I just, it's, it's one of those weird reflections. I never thought I'd notice this, but here it is. Sure. Yeah. Reflections on age and mortality. Yeah. And, you know, before long, uh, uh, we and everyone we know will be dead and forgotten and the universe will end up becoming just a cold, you know, entropic sort of nothing. And, and, uh, you know, happy, <laughs> happy February. No one will, well, and again, and no one will particularly care who the nominee in, in 2024. Exactly. Was. So in that um, sense, but, we but, maybe get too worked up <laughs> over this. All right. So. No, but, but I, I do actually, I mean, it, to, to some extent, it's a little bit of a, a serious point too, in that um, you and I are both um, early fifties. I'll admit that <laughs> over there. Um I mean, but I, I still feel like, um, despite my my uh, you know vast intellect and and uh, uh, lengthy and uh, expensive and and broad based education, that I, I would still I would feel totally unequipped to be president at my age. You know what I mean? Really? Like, don't you still feel that? I mean, oh no, not like, at all. I feel like I could step in a job. You're, no you're, ready, you're yeah. ready to take no, the yeah, yeah, job. Okay. absolutely. President, Supreme Court ready Justice. Yeah, I'll, I'll fit, give me give me a couple of weeks to get up to speed and a few good advisors, and I'm sure I'd be fine. <laughs> absolutely. So, lack of confidence have nev- has never so, been my issue for sure. Gotcha. So. Anyway, it just it just strikes me as weird as as one of my my peers, right? Is, yeah, is like. You know, now running for president. That's someone of my own age group. There that, you go. Now, if you went back in time a little bit, of course, there'd be plenty of younger folks, but uh, not plenty, oh, yeah, but, yeah. you know, more than a few. But anyway, so yeah. It, it, back- that's, that's neither here nor there. My my point is, uh, I think uh, Haley is not necessarily doing this as a serious policy proposal, but rather just to to draw that line and sort of uh, throw some throw some shade, as the kids say. Um, on both uh, Trump and Biden. 
or at least we think the kids might say that. Who knows? We're we're old. That's what I've heard. That's what I've heard kids saying. So. Yeah. so there we go. But yeah, you know, I I think I think that Donald Trump. If someone said to Donald Trump, well, okay, then uh, this is a full and complete mental competency test. Will you agree to take it? I am sure that he would actually not agree to do that sort of thing because, well, as we know, Donald Trump, uh, he may or may not be mentally competent. But one thing we do know is that he just kind of says stuff that he doesn't necessarily he's, mean. He's mentally competent, not enough to fall for that. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, let's put it that way. All right. So let's let's move on to our first main story of the week. This Friday marks the one-year anniversary of Russian dictator Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine. And one year in, the human suffering has been uh, immense, at least 300,000 casualties, around 6.5 million internally displaced people, nearly 8 million Ukrainian refugees across Europe, according to the UN, large-scale war crimes being committed by Russian forces, and of course, you know, massive destruction of, of, of property infrastructure in, in Ukraine. And at this point, Russia currently controls around 18% of Ukraine, including Ukraine's Crimea region, which it illegally annexed back in 2014. And these gains, of course, have come, though, at a really steep cost in, in lives, in resources, in what you'd have to say is the tattered reputation of Russia's military and those economic sanctions that, well, you know, they haven't entirely crippled Russia's economy. They've certainly had a significant impact. And one year in, the United States has authorized around $113 billion in aid to Ukraine, and the biggest portion of that unsurprisingly, is $50 billion in military assistance. And that makes the U.S. by far the largest source of military aid to Ukraine. Great Britain's a distant second, right around over $5 billion, followed by Poland at just over $2.5 billion, Germany a little bit less than that. Now, if we look at that, though, in terms of uh, percentage of GDP, actually, Latvia and Estonia lead the way. They're around 1% of their country's respective GDP in military aid. And just to give they you a, sort of a vested interest. In well, yeah, the it, right there. Yeah, yeah no question. <laughs> to, to put that into U.S. terms, that would be around $250 billion uh, if, if we were to do that, roughly five times more than we've provided to this point. Poland's contributed around six-tenths of a percent of its GDP. The U.S. is at around 0.25%. Now, early this week, of course, President Biden made a surprise trip to Kiev in a show of support for Ukraine. And that is the first time in modern history a U.S. president has gone into a war zone not controlled by U.S. forces. It's also been reported lately that China is considering providing military assistance to Russia. Now, Chinese officials have denied this. Uh, and also dictator Putin this week announced that Russia would be suspending its participation in the New START Treaty, which is the last remaining nuclear weapons agreement between the U.S. and Russia. And on Friday, that was yesterday, we're recording this Saturday morning, the anniversary of the invasion, the U.S. authorized $2 billion more in additional military aid to Ukraine, as well as new sanctions that target over 200 individuals and organizations that have been helping Putin continue his war. Uh, President Zelensky on the anniversary said that Ukraine could win the war this year if allies stayed united like a fist and that Ukraine would not negotiate until Russia stopped bombing Ukraine cities and killing Ukrainian citizens. So, Jay, you know, one, that's an interesting opening there. Well, yeah, but yeah, go ahead. Well, one year in now, uh, what's your take on 
where things are with Ukraine and, uh, you know, your ex- expectations or predictions for the next year of the conflict, assuming you think it will last uh, another year or more? So my, um, I guess my my perspective is um, I am in, in a lot of cases in awe, overwhelmed uh, and, and gratified, right? Uh, in the resolve that the Ukrainians have shown in, in fighting for the country, in the resolve that uh, the United States has shown uh, and the West in general, in in terms of, of supporting them, uh, keeping them militarily supplied, uh, keeping humanitarian aid going, and not uh, preemptively waving the white flag on on Ukraine's behalf. Um, that surprised me, pleasantly surprised me. Uh, I very much thought, uh, like a lot of people, that uh, you know Russia would militarily overwhelm Ukraine uh, in, in weeks, uh, when that didn't happen, I was still pessimistic and thought, well, it'll be, you'll, you'll end up with some sort of a stalemate with, uh, uh, the Russians holding a significant portion of Ukraine and the West will then step in and sort of negotiate a, uh, a, a piece that would still leave, essentially leave Putin a winner. Um, but, but neither of those things have happened. Uh, so I, you know, it's it's not often I give props to the Biden administration, but I will give them a solid B on this uh, in terms of standing up for Ukraine. Um, I said you, the, I didn't mean that, but you know what I mean. Um, uh, standing up for Ukraine and uh, keeping the the weapons uh, flowing. Um, I hesitate to give an A or an A plus because I think uh, there are a lot of things that could move quicker, and there have been. There has been some dithering uh, in the administration of we we have a situation in Ukraine asked for something like fighters, like tanks. And we sort of back and forth and hem and haw and eventually say yes. Uh, and then, well, it's going to take a while to get them there. And I, I, so I again, Mike, you know where, where I am. I'm um, I'm uh, I'm still fighting the Cold War. Um, uh, so, you know, I'm going to. Go rewatch, rewatch Red Dawn, and you know, <laughs> it's, it's sort of uh, you know where where I'm coming from, and and I again I would contend this is very much in America's strategic interest uh, to defeat the Russians, and particularly if now this is going to, if the Chinese are going to see this as some sort of proxy war, uh, some sort of um, uh, uh, tryout uh, for Taiwan, uh, or testing our our resolve in foreign policy, all the more reason. Uh, that the U.S. should double down on its support of of the Ukraine. I said that again, again. I'm not I'm the not Ukraine, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But again, it's, it's a verbal tick from our because we grew up for generations. Going to was called the Ukraine, um, but um, no. So that's that's where I'm I'm at. That's where I'm coming from. I I've, I mean, if you can consider what a disaster this has been for the Russians, um, you you read numbers like 175,000. Uh, uh, potentially dead, uh, killed um, and wounded. Yeah, that's total casualty. Yeah. Sure, and it's again, it's not. It's difficult to tell who's killed and who who's wounded. Um, but to to put that in in context, right? Uh, the U.S. lost, I want to say, sixty eight thousand men uh, in Vietnam over fifteen years, and the you know what that did to to our military, our confidence, our national psyche. Uh, losing 68,000 men um, uh, over over 15 years. They've lost multiples of that within one year. Um, and and I, I it, but it's I wonder a, it's a tremendous if, well, I wonder, yes, yes and no. 
Uh, I, I think we don't want to make the mistake of assuming that uh, the the Russian response is going to be the same as the U.S. response to that sort of thing, simply because there are two very different cultures. And uh, so, well, again, which is not to discount your point entirely, just to say that I but it's also but it's, it's a different kind of thing of you're trying to convince um, a whole lot of, of people who, who were, again, you're having losses at a. Um, a tremendous rate that it's it's not something that that can go unnoticed in society. Well, right? it, it, it certainly is. is it, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. And, and that, I think now that they're, I mean, they're they're doing you know dragnets to draft more uh, more people, and it's also a weird. I would have to imagine, um, despite all the the Putin propaganda, uh, going to fight a war um, with a country with with which you were were united with, you know, in many people's living memories. Um, that, that, you know, you, you do share a lot of, uh, uh, you know, cultural exchange and affinity and, you know, people crossing borders and so forth. Um, I think that's a, that, that has to be a, a tougher sell, um, psychologically, even than, than saying we're sending troops, uh, to, to, uh, you know, across the world to Southeast Asia. Yeah, I, I, um, I hear what you're saying, but I, I think I fundamentally disagree. I think Putin's in a lot less trouble domestically than, and it seems like you think he might be, or that, you know, I've heard some other uh, analysts suggest that he might be. I think it's just a very different uh, culture, media environment, uh, milieu, as it were. And <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, you know, I think that Putin is firmly in control of things and there's, uh, you know, Russia has a long and unfortunately storied history of throwing an awful lot of troops at all kinds of problems. Yeah. And I, you know, it's a, it's a very different. No. Thing. And again, I think that's something, yeah, culturally they would have a much more uh, greater, a greater ability to withstand shoulder those kind of losses, losses that would, they could shoulder, but uh, to an open democratic uh, society like ours would be totally unacceptable. You know, and, and, and while um, the, while the war has been uh, certainly a disaster, I think that's a fair word for Russia. I think when we think about who the war has been, been actually good for, uh, I think you can make a case that it's actually been pretty good for China in, in a lot oh, yeah. of ways. Yeah. You know, it's made Russia more dependent on China. It's moved the U.S. focus from China to Russia, which potentially gives China a little bit more breathing room. And, you know, also it, it, it lets the West dump resources into this war, weakening everyone involved except for right. China. Resources right? that we might need yeah, later. There yeah. you go. And I mean, and China right now is getting, and for the last you know year, has been getting all sorts of cut, cut price energy from Russia. And so you can make a case that, well, they have maybe a strategic interest in prolonging uh, this conflict. Uh, you know, they, they nearly doubled their uh, $41 billion in Russian energy purchases in, in the year before Russia's invasion of Ukraine, right? And that's helping to keep China's inflation down. And, you know, it, it's just generally, I think, pretty good for China. And they, they've, and so when I heard about, you know, China potentially thinking about providing uh, military lethal aid to, to Russia, in a sense, if they want to ensure that this conflict goes on as long as possible and helps to bleed the West and pull Russia in and keep that cheap energy going to them well I, I can see that as a as a viable strategy yeah i i i get that i mean i think i think the 
the Chinese want the Russians to win. Uh, I see. I, even, yeah. even more than they just want the thing prolonged. Um, but uh, no, I think you're right. I think, um, and I think the providing of, of Chinese arms uh, is going to give sort of a, again, practice run. We're seeing how things operate in the field, uh, getting ready for, um, you know, what would likely be a, an invasion of Taiwan. Uh, so I, I think, yeah, in the short term, I would I would tend to agree with you. This this has benefited uh, China. Um, in the long term, if the Russians get beat back uh, significantly, um, then I think perhaps perhaps less so. Right. I, I think uh, as I as I started off with, uh, the West has shown to me surprising resolve uh, on this, uh, and I think a victory by Ukraine. Uh, would send a message, uh, you know, would would reinvigorate the West, right? Say, listen, we don't have to roll over uh, to these these dictatorial regimes that they just want to grab up other states, um, and and uh, would sort of stiffen our backs in terms of uh, a response to to uh, Taiwan. I, I think I'm more skeptical than you are long term. Uh, you know, it, it seems like it seems unlikely that this war is going to be concluded anytime soon. I certainly don't expect it to end in 2013. Uh, There's the Center for Strategic International Studies. They took a look at wars since the end of World War II and found that more than half of the wars, interstate wars like the war in Ukraine, uh, have ended in less than a year. But when they have gone on for more than a year, they've lasted more than a decade on average. And And I think, you know, Russia is kind of, positioning itself for a for a long slog, assuming that the West is eventually going to tire of of uh, support. And, and I think, you know, we can see some signs of this already. I mentioned that the U.S. is by by far the largest military supporter of Ukraine, something like a factor 10 times more than than uh, the U.K. But, you know, for instance, earlier this month, Matt Getz introduced a resolution to end all military and financial aid to Ukraine. He called it the Ukraine Fatigue Resolution. And it had 10 co-sponsors, uh, kind of the usual suspects. You would, you know, well, uh, it's not, yeah. Biggs, Gosar, Taylor Green, Massey, uh, 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 Bobert, a few others. But, you know, the fact that there are 11 members of Congress who are willing to go on record as this, and, and not it's not just that. But if you take a look at uh, polling on support for the war, like, for instance, right now, 40 percent of Republicans in a Pew Research poll that was done at the end of January see uh, believe that the U.S. is giving too much support to Ukraine. And that's up from nine percent in uh, March of 2022. So, I mean, we see where these numbers are going and, you know, and Putin sees where these numbers are going as well. And so I think the bet is that, well, we can we can outlast the, these democracies because, sure, they might have they might have you know, shown some shown some steel initially. But over time, it's just going to be too much and they're just going to tire of it. And especially we're seeing this from Republicans. Well, I don't I don't know if you're seeing it, um, I guess, in that polling. And I'm, I'm always a little skeptical about that if you're if you're asking a question are we giving too much right i mean that's sort of well no it asks uh, it asks about uh, how much are you are we the question is uh is the u.s providing too much about the right amount or Just not enough, enough support about the right yeah, yeah. and republicans um, far more than democrats say that uh, that 
like I said, the plurality, actually, 40 percent say we're giving too much. Twenty four percent of Republicans saying about right. Seventeen percent, not enough. If you look at that for Democrats, that's me. Fifteen percent say too much. Forty percent say about right. And twenty three percent say not enough. So Republicans clearly are leading the charge to uh, cut and run in Ukraine, I guess. Not this Republican, Mike. OK. Um, <laughs> so. I, no, I, I again, I'm, I'm still going to take that with a with a grain of salt. But, Why is that? Um, I mean, uh, well, is because it just because I, I it think, disagrees with what you want, or no? I mean, well, it, yes. it really. Okay. No, no, I, and I think I think to some extent when you when you're first of all, I think Republicans when they're polled um, uh, do tend to lie. Um, Why would they lie about these, that? I can understand I like, lying the, about be, support curious, for Trump, but no, that I'd makes no sense. About, if you're asked, hold on a second. I would be curious uh, if the results, you know, on other issues were the same, right? Are we spending uh, enough uh, on uh, social programs, just enough, need more, too much, or it's going to be too much? Is, is there going to be a bias towards all spending is too much, right, that we could cut across the board? Um, I can see a lot of Republicans taking that position in a poll. Um, uh, I, I also do think there are Republicans who just, you know, um, I make stuff up to uh, 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 harass pollsters, but and, um, and you think this why it's just something you feel in your gut or no? Because it's, it's 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 experience. People I know do it, right? Okay, so <laughs> it's, it's anecdotal. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it's anecdotal. Okay. Um, but uh, I think it's now if the uh, if know. the poll had said that uh, more the plurality of Republicans had your view, would would you feel that they were lying to pollsters or not? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Okay. Okay. Just, just curious. It, it just, it, okay. Anyway. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, what I'm, what I'm saying is I, I have a general skepticism uh, on how effective Republican polling, Republican at polling on attitudes is. I guess that's, 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 that's what I'm starting from my general premise. Right. Yeah. I, I, um, sure. But secondly, I would, I would say, listen, if you've got uh, 10 members, uh, 11 members of the house of representatives, you, you can always sort of count on, uh, that handful uh, of of crazies to to do the wrong thing, um, and they 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 sure are. But I don't see that gaining any traction with leadership. Well, what what to um, say to you? McCarthy's that- been pretty McCarthy's been pretty clear about uh, supporting Ukraine, um, as I think have have most uh, serious uh, Republicans and Republican presidential candidates. I mean, there's been the the sounding of well, we want to. You know, we don't want waste, fraud, and abuse, uh, and that's I think it's a fair point. Um, but I, I don't see any pulling away from you know Republican leadership on on that saying, uh, "Look, we're gonna we're gonna cut and run in Ukraine." But isn't isn't that how these things start, right? You take a look at the numbers, and you get some people to kind of make an initial push, and then over time, it gains a little more steam. And 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 the fact of the matter is, yeah, of course, and that- but also a, a lot of times it doesn't. Sure, but right? I mean, and also but, but, a lot of times, you know, you have the dissents and they they're still cranky and they still, um, you know, have their things and the polls go up or down. Um, so would you expect but would you expect support for the war to go up over time? I think it depends on the outcome. If it if it continues to look like um, the Ukraine, it's it's winnable. Yes. Uh, I think the fact that the Chinese are now. Uh, have now cast their lot officially, and let's let's not pretend that it's otherwise, right? Um, 
Well, I, I would disagree I with that. I think there's a I think there's a bigger I think there's a bigger argument now um, uh, that this is in our national interest. Yeah, I, I think you're wrong about them officially casting their lot. You know, on on the UN votes, they have they have abstained as opposed to voting with Russia. And while they have uh, helped Russia sort of indirectly evade sanctions, they've uh, haven't yet given Russia direct lethal aid. There have been some dual use things that they've done. So I think they're still trying well, that, to that do we, one, one that we know of. Um, right. uh, two, they certainly haven't given any aid to the Ukrainians. Well, of course not. They, they wouldn't. That they, they wouldn't be in there. Well, that's what I'm saying. Country. So it, it seems it, it seems clear on who, whose side they're on. Well, sure. I mean, but but they still want to sort of straddle both both of these things. They don't want to they don't want to go all in with Russia or they would have voted with Russia. They would have given Russia lethal military aid much more quickly. And Putin has been very frustrated with uh, with, with Xi, with Beijing in general about that. So, you know, I I think because China understands that the, the risks of going too far and they want to try to play both sides uh, against each other to, to that extent. So but, but, but you'd agree that this the last this last week has has been a turning point in terms of the the Russian uh, attitude towards this. Be you know, six months or so. We've had this conversation a couple times, and there was this sort of uh, uh, professions of neutrality, right? Of oh no no, we're just uh, well, they're still. Out of this. I we think they're still peace. trying to do that. They're still saying you know we we would like there to be peace and this sort of thing. So no, I think they they still are attempting to play that role basically because they you know they understand that. I think going all in with Russia would probably actually stiffen our resolve and then take the focus back onto China. And so, yeah, I, I think that they're they're strategically doing a very smart thing, even though I think it's you know amoral, but it's strategically in terms of national interest, understandable at least. But, you know, and, and when you think about this, I mean, certainly in terms of our ability to keep up the fight, I mean, China, right, the world's second largest economy. And uh, but China and Russia combined together, you know, if you throw in, I don't know, Iran, India, maybe kind of the, that little coalition, they just can't hold the candle to the Western coalition in terms of economic power i compared to you know gdp is roughly around 51 52 trillion compared to about half that like 25 26 trillion so i mean our coalition the pro ukraine coalition is much much stronger economically certainly but of course as you mentioned earlier in 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 the segment that uh, that dictatorships that non-democratic regimes have a certain advantage in carrying on these wars at least you know for for a period for a period of time because they're not democratically accountable so but it, do you do you I, I i don't think i asked you this directly do you see this war ending in 2023 yeah i think i that was one of my your predictions okay. right okay so my, you do my, see your okay. prediction was I, I i i thought that there would be um yeah. Um, you know, I, I think we're we're hearing about this, the next big Russian push that's coming. Um, I think hopefully that will will fail. Um, and and at that that point, the Russians have to do some some hard thinking. Uh, Putin has to do some hard thinking. I see. Yeah, I don't think so at all. I, I, I think that, you know, according to at least some reports, the current funding that's been appropriated by Congress for Ukraine is going to run out sometime this summer. 
And I think there's going to be a big fight over more funding with those kind of middle group, right? The, the, the Getzes and Masseys and those folks kind of making that point that, that we don't want to do any funding, but what I think something will pass be much smaller and we'll see support continue to dwindle uh, and, 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 support to pull out become much greater, at least, you know, stop the stop the aid. We're not in there directly. And so I think these are things that that Putin and, and Putin and she are, are looking toward and just assume that all they really have to do is kind of stick in there for a little while longer. And uh, the Republicans are going to give them a big assist. Wow. That's, that's my. Wow. Take. You're like you're like you're like the opposite of like Radio Free Europe. You know what I mean? You're just saying like, give up, give up. No, I, I'm saying I, I'm saying that I'm saying that that's what your party is going to more and more do, and uh, it's going to. No, like I, cut- I I I think there will be the grand standards, uh, grandstanders, uh, uh, isolationists uh, that that you've always had. Um, you had them in World War One. You had them in World War Two. You had them in Vietnam. Um, uh, but I, I don't think. Uh, it's going to dramatically change um, the trajectory of this because I think I think the the majority of Republicans uh, and the majority of Democrats uh, and uh, I'd say the the totality I think at this point of, of the foreign policy uh, of foreign policy institutions right um, have recognized that that this is a, a bigger fight than they thought it was at first when it was just going to be a, a rollover uh, sort of thing. Um, and I think there's going to be be uh, impetus to to keep up support and uh, help their Ukrainians win. I, I think that the polling that I've seen suggests otherwise, and, and I think you're rejecting that polling because you would like to Never believe. Never listen to this show yet. Well, no, well, because I, I think you would <laughs> like to believe in this, as in so many other things, that the Republican Party is the Republican Party that you remember growing up, and that you are at this point essentially a, a rhino, and that the public, that the party has moved on from the sort of things that you think are important, and uh, that's hard to that's hard to accept, and, and I get that. And so you want the you want the GOP to be better than what it is, but it's just not. Well, it's true. I do want the GOP to be better than what it is. Me too. Um, we agree on also that. Also, looking looking at if if I'm a Republican and, and the message I'm making in 2024, um, the 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 argument I'm making is we shouldn't be spending this much on foreign wars. I would much rather be taking the tack of. We need to be stronger internationally and respected internationally. Look at Afghanistan. Um, don't make this another situation of we had a winnable uh, war. Um, something like 93% of the Russian military is deployed to Ukraine. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, yeah. This is, this is yeah. you know, again, if I'm, if I'm General Patton, right? Um, you know, Patton, of course, famously wanted to, to keep going, right? And, and it's after, after defeating the Germans, um, uh, this is, you know, this could be a Waterloo type moment uh, for for what has been the Russian Empire for years and years and years. Um, that even after the, the Soviet Union collapsed, right, there was still this this military power. Um, I, I, I think this is, you know, quite, quite honestly, it could be the end of of the Russian Empire. Um, and I think that would be a fantastic thing. So, uh, I uh, think be careful what be you wish for <laughs> from, Repu- from Republican candidates um, who are going to say, uh, listen, this is this is the kind of fight um, that uh, we ought to, to be in. Uh, this is what we stand for internationally is preventing this sort of aggression. 
Yeah, except that the two leading Republican candidates don't seem to be taking that position, really, which is problematic. I mean, DeSantis is making noises kind of in the in the, uh, you know, let's focus on our problems here at home sort of thing, which is sort of that isolationist America first fortress America thing. And Donald Trump has been kind of, I think, in in that in that camp. And so I I was, you know, Mike, my my position is always like I'd rather the government just leave me the hell alone at home. (laughs) <laughs> take care of the foreign problems that's to me that's sort of what i hire them for right but it's just definitely we'll pushing you. yeah we, we will see all right well let's take a quick break and then we will get back and move domestically and talk a little bit about uh, speaker mccarthy tucker carlson and the january 6th surveillance tapes this week, Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy gave Fox News, um, I can't call him a news person, personality, I guess, Tucker Carlson exclusive access to thousands of hours of surveillance footage from the January 6th Capitol attack. And uh, this was a fairly controversial decision. Now, McCarthy defended it in saying, I promised. I was asked in the press about these tapes, and I said they do belong to the American public. I think sunshine lets everybody make their own judgment. And McCarthy has said that he's had conversations as well about making the footage available to other media outlets at some future date, though for uh, right now, the the only person who has that is Tucker Carlson. And just to uh, remind folks, uh, he is a guy who created a falsehood filled three part documentary called Patriot Purge. This is on January 6th, which it was argued in among other things that that uh, January 6th was a false flag operation in which FBI agents incited the Capitol breach as a way to smoke out and prosecute so-called patriots. And uh, I got to say, Jay, I'm I'm fairly disgusted by this, actually, and I, I don't necessarily disagree with McCarthy's point that the media should have access to the tapes and about, you know, sunshine and letting people make their own judgment. That's yeah, absolutely. But I can't see much of a justification for first off giving one member of the media exclusive access. And even if you can make a case for that, the idea that the person that you select is someone who for years now has dealt in lies and has made it clear that he is not a journalist, he's an entertainer. I mean, he said so on the record. Why you would do that, I just, like I said, I find it disgusting, and I wanted to get your take on it. Um, It would not have been my first choice, uh, I I guess. Um, But Tucker Carlson asked for the stuff, had been asking for it. I think there's a little bit of uh, Republicans playing that sort of the turnabout is fair play, right? I mean, Democrats have done this for years of saying, oh, we're going to do a release and or we're going to do the interview, but we're going to do it with our particularly favorable um, news outlet. Um, so I, 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 I get that. Um, uh, my my preference would be release it to everybody at the same time um, and, and do it uh, do it that way. Uh, I don't know if there's some some signaling going on um, to, uh, you know, to the to the Trumpists that, hey, we're you know, I'm I'm not just caving or something like that. while still not doing anything substantive by giving this to uh, Tucker Carlson first. Um, I don't know. Um, but but my yeah, again, my my sense is uh, I think it should be given out to everybody at once. Um but I understand. I understand the inclination of saying, uh, you know what, we played the game for years where stuff gets leaked to 
Um, the New York Times or the Washington Post first and uh, other outlets don't get it right away. Uh, so that's what, you know, we're going to do this. And, and so my sense is he's sort of he's sort of trolling um, Democrats and, and uh, folks like you uh, sort of doing this. Right. So. Yeah. And if that isn't disgusting, I don't know what is that that person third in line for the presidency, the, you know, the top uh, Republican in elected Republican is deciding to play games with this to what to own the libs by giving this information to a man i think you would agree uh, a man of incredibly low character who who deals in lies on a regular basis and has admitted doing that i mean how can you there's no i guess there's no you just think it's like a a, a funny stunt or what sort of yeah i mean again i i don't i don't quite understand um i guess i'm 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 more perplexed at the reaction this has gotten um that okay tucker carlson gets this first so we're really mad about this because tucker carlson may well be a horrible person um i i i guess i i just don't see the well plenty of people are horrible the, the people outrage. i don't who, care who should have who should have given who should have, have gotten it first there or, are there or, are plenty of should tucker or should tucker carlson be precluded from getting these tapes because no. he's a horrible person yeah, but there are plenty of people on the right who are strong steadfast conservatives uh, who, you know, are not uh, who might be terrible people, but who are not known liars who care or at least at least ostensibly care about the truth. And uh, Tucker Carlson is not one of those people. They could have given the they could have given the information to The Wall Street Journal, for instance, or or, or National Review or all kinds of other organizations. Sure. No, but they that, chose. That I, I would have preferred. Yeah. And they, but they but but it, but it sounds like but that wouldn't have gotten that wouldn't have drawn the same reaction from you that is drawing. But you don't see any you don't see any harm in doing this. You don't see any harm in not particularly. Giving, you don't see any harm in giving special treatment to people who trail who deal in lies who who that's their that's their thing. I mean, hasn't has the last has since 2016 with Donald Trump taught you nothing about the danger of uh, giving special treatment and promoting serial liars, people with no moral compass who are almost proudly amoral. Right. So, 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 how do you feel about Tucker Carlson? Um, I mean, but but he he is a, no. He my 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 point is is look if I I guess I'm I'm still what what is it that you're afraid Tucker Carlson will do with this uh, that that Brett Bear would not? Well, I think that or Tuck or why is it that you're upset that Tucker Carlson has it first, other than you really dislike Tucker Carlson, which which I don't like him either. But it's not um, about dislike. It's about my known liar. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. That's, so that's a whole different sort of thing. I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of reporters on the left that I dis would dislike as human beings. So it's it's about what what we know he does with facts. I would have just as much of a problem if the sole person to get it would be Michael Moore I, for well, similar I mean, reasons, because Tucker Carlson has has been on record as saying things that are just colossally false and damaging. This, this idea that he like put together a three-part documentary that said, hey, the FBI incited this false flag operation. And so then you say, well, we'll give this guy exclusive access to all of these tapes because, what well, we know what he's going to do with them, right? He's going to take stuff and cut it up and use it in such a way to present a narrative that supports what he's already said. 
And so that I find to be morally reprehensible. And uh, that's right. that, that that's why I have a problem with Tucker Carlson, not because I think he's a ridiculous, awful human being, which which I do, but because of the damage that this sort of thing does to, I, I think, in general, the, the pursuit of any sort of truth or honesty in, in journalism. So I, I guess I just take a, a different view fundamentally. Um, you know, look, if, if the if this had been a situation where uh, the Democrats had said we're going to issue this stuff to Michael Moore, um, suppose, you know, uh, in the first instance, give him first crack at it. I would have I would have rolled my eyes. I would have said that's ridiculous. Um, but I wouldn't I wouldn't have the, the reaction that I think you and others on the left are having. Um, and that's why I think this is sort of a, a you know, McCarthy's winding you up and. and uh, living rent free in your head, as it were. Well, it's not. Um, it's not about that. I, think I, I don't see. So I guess the other piece is I don't see so much. We we view uh, threats uh, of, of damage of harm differently, right? Tucker Carlson can go out and say it's all kinds of untrue things, um, and and Michael Moore can go out and say all kinds of untrue things. Uh, I I don't see that as oh my gosh, that's something that has to be stopped prevented uh you know have to dis- destroy these these people or they shouldn't be allowed access to uh to to the information or they shouldn't be allowed to do this i think it's just a all right well we'll, get, we'll let's make sure everybody gets the information and and uh um i agree but know, it's we'll one thing but it's one thing to say well we shouldn't deny this person access because we disagree with their views it's something else entirely to say well let's find this most radical lying person and give this person special exclusive access that's a whole different sort of thing and it's not about just winding uh, it's not about winding up it's about what he's going to do with this information narrative that he is almost certainly going to strengthen through selective and dishonest use of this footage to, to, to make more and more, you know, to just further solidify this belief among tens of millions of Americans that have been lied to by Fox News for many years now that this whole January 6th thing was a was a sham and that Donald Trump is the rightful president. And I find that disgusting. And it's not just about winding me up. It's about it's about pushing untruths for profit and rewarding people who do that. And I find that just to be morally wrong. OK, well, so so do I, I guess. But I I guess I'm nevertheless, you are wound up. I am. Um, I, am. I think it's, and I think that was, that was the, uh, the, the intent. Um, but uh, look to me, to me, it's sort of, okay. So let's, let's say you're right. And Tucker Carlson does, um, uh, parse through this. It's something, it's, it's some like ungodly number amount of hours of footage, right? Cause yeah. there's all these cameras doing all these things. It's, you know, 20,000 hours or something. Um, so supposing he does come through this and, um, uh, you know, finds a, a, a couple, uh, frames of, you got some veterans just walking in and saluting the flag or something like that. Right. As they, as these other ransack, others ransack the Capitol. Um, I, again, to, to my mind, it's sort of, okay, he puts that out there. Um, so what, uh, as long as all the other, uh, outlets are able to get this, we're able but to we say, don't no, know that they are in context. Well, and, well, and, I expect they will be. Look, look, this oh, yeah. going to you, be you have a lot more legally, faith in legally. They will be able to get it. 
there's not going to be any any defense if someone uh, comes and sues and says, hey, we want access to this as a, as a public record. And the Congress Congress says, no, um, uh, you know, we only give it out to people we like. I mean, that's that's a dead bang loser in court. So, of course, they're going to be allowed access. And besides which, McCarthy has said that they'll be allowed, they'll they'll be given access. Um, no, he he did. So say I, I, that I guess here's, here's the here's the way and my, maybe this comes a little bit from. From what uh, my life in litigation, right, is each side puts on its case and the other side, uh, this is happens all the time, right? Get up and they say all sorts of things that I believe and in, in many cases absolutely know for sure and have evidence of are absolutely totally untrue. They twist the facts. They say things that are terrible. They, they, they make horrible misrepresentations. But what what you do uh, is you sit there, you sit there and you listen to it and then you get up and you put on your case. And and that's I guess maybe that's just the way I, I, I view this differently than than you do. It's sort of if if they have put a witness on the stand um, who lies and says all sorts of ridiculous things uh, and is a horrible, shameful person and they give him evidence that is is misused and twisted. Um, you know, I, I I think the response is okay. You sit there and wait patiently, and then when it's your turn, you can cross-examine that witness, and you can put on your own evidence to say no, this is this is not what happened. And I guess I, I'm I'm just I'm more comfortable with that than I think maybe you are. Right, well, this yeah. idea of people saying stuff that that is offensive, not true, is you know just plain bonkers. Be- because um, I believe that 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 version of reality that you just sketched out that process has almost nothing to do it might have a lot to do with your job uh your day job but i think it has almost nothing to do with how the real world works outside of a courtroom the idea that people will listen to both sides impassively as if the public is in this jury box uh paying careful attention and focusing on the fact i i find that to be so far removed from how real people most real people act in the world that I, it it seems just ludicrous to me. No, no, I, I, I think you're right. right. It's, it's not a matter of people playing, paying close attention uh, to all the various facts, but they do develop uh, senses of things over time, right? And when it shows up that you know Tucker Carlson's been wrong about this and this and this and this and this, uh, and he's he's shown to have said things. And, and again, it's it's difficult. I mean, um, uh, Carlson is is an opinion journalist, right? Um, opinion sort of by definition uh, cannot be false. Um, you know, it, it's that sort of thing. But but he's he said all this stuff. It hasn't hasn't been the case. It's been uh, uh, disputed and and uh, contradicted. And um, what's the word I'm work, looking for that everyone likes likes to use? Debunked these days. Um, debunked. Um, yeah, except, by the actual except evidence. it hasn't been as, as you said. It, he says things that are unfalsifiable. By by his own standards, by I mean, this is how conspiracy theory thinking works. Yeah, because you can always just say, "Well, yeah, that's what they want you to believe." But hey, just like when I brought, I mean, a, a, a minor version of it, right? I bring forth a poll you know, earlier in the show, and I say, "Listen, forty percent of Republicans think we're giving too much aid to aid to Ukraine," and your immediate response is, "Well, you know, I don't really trust that poll," and, and that's yeah. and that's 
just a small version, of course you don't, because it disagrees with what you want to be the truth. And so that makes it much more difficult. And and you are a rational, intelligent, open-minded person as Republicans go, as people go, in fact. But most people don't rise to that standard. And so that's why this idea that somehow Tucker Carlson being debunked by whatever, I don't know, PolitiFact or something, why that 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 means anything in the real world? Oh, of course it doesn't. Oh, I don't think it means anything, anything coming from Politifact, but that's, that's another story. But it doesn't mean anything um, coming from let's, anyone. Let's put, let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. If um, uh, I say, listen, I don't, I don't know that I'm buying that poll. Uh, if if further polls continue to show that, if they continue to show that, and the trend increases, um, I will be proven wrong. Right. I will say, no, I guess that that poll must be pretty accurate. But see, you, um, would, you, you might not. And here's why I say that, because your premise was, well, Republicans lie to pollsters. And so that premise would still hold true, whether it's one poll well, they're just lying to pollsters in 12 polls. Well, of course, we would expect the same thing. It's so easy to rationalize, to justify this thing, to create the world that in the way we would like to believe it is. And, you know, like I said, you you are, I think, at a much higher level than I, I know you are at a much higher level than most other folks. And yet, you know, you you, I think, gave a great example of that. And we see that to a much greater degree in, I think, most of the Fox News listening or watching public. All right. So I, I guess my my point is I, I did not. I, I'm not saying. Um, to be clear, I'm I'm not saying your poll didn't happen. I'm sure. saying yeah, I'm yeah. skeptical yeah. of the results. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying the poll was faked or false. I'm saying some Republicans lie to pollsters because they do. Um, uh, I'm I'm saying that sometimes there is in in polling, particularly polling done by news organizations, uh, there is a a push poll type mentality, right, to try to come up with a. Uh, a response for a story that they want to get. Um, I think it's less so in actual political polling where the results really matter and they're trying to get real numbers. Um, and I think those those types of, of numbers are easy to generate. Um, I could point to there's there are polls out there uh, saying that something like 40 percent of Democrats believe that people who were unvaccinated should be put in camps. Um, now, that strikes me as a bit high. Uh, I, I, I'm sure there's probably 15 or 20 percent of Democrats who feel that way. But but I, I, what I'm saying is I have I have uh, doubts over that that same poll just because I think that um, the 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 results don't seem to mesh uh, necessarily with with reality. And I think with your reality. Yeah. Asked, <laughs> no, I don't know. But but I'm saying but with that with that one, I, I ought to be predisposed to believe that. Forty percent of Democrats wanted to see uh, unvaccinated people I see. in camps. Yeah, yeah. gotcha. Uh, and and what I'm I'm saying is uh, no. I just I just anytime you get those those sorts of big numbers for something that seems fairly extreme. And I guess the I guess the other question is uh, too much, not enough, right? I mean that's that's such a very uh, my 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 point is I'm not a a poll denier, but I am a, a skeptic, and I think I think it's healthy to be skeptical. Uh, on these things now, now Tucker Carlson, um, I, I I think has carried sometimes carries skepticism to an unhealthy level, um, where it goes beyond just I'm I'm not sure I believe the official account. Uh, to here is a entire you know 
counter narrative that's not factually supported. You don't, you don't think that's what he's actually doing, that he's being skeptical. You don't really no, think No, I think that, he's, he's just trying to, to, you know, rev up the, the base to okay. make money for ratings. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to be clear on that. You're not but, suggesting. But I'm, but I'm, what I'm saying is I think it's, I think it's, it's uh, very much appropriate to say, um, hey, this is what the government says. I'm skeptical. So, so, so sure. for example, let's go back to, to, to January 6th. One of the major stories coming out of January 6th uh, was this was a deadly riot coup. One of the, the, the examples that they cited most often, um, cited on the floor of the Senate, in the well of the Senate trying to impeach President Trump, over and over, over again was there was a policeman who was bludgeoned to death with a fire extinguisher, except that that never happened. And, and, and the people who were saying this had reason to know it didn't happen then. Um, this, this guy uh, was never hit with a fire extinguisher. Um, he was at the riot. He had a stroke later that day. Afterwards, now you can certainly say this this contributed to the stress and stroke and all that, and that's that's certainly a fair argument. But it's certainly completely different than being bludgeoned to death with a fire extinguisher. Absolutely. Yet that was repeated so many times, and I think I made this point before. I even sort of had this kind of quasi made up memory of yeah, yeah, did yeah, I me see too. It on the video, yep, sure, I did. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so I, what I'm saying is there was a whole lot of misinformation that has come out. Uh, over this, um, and, and I think there are sure. still other still mysteries, right? About uh, things that, that did happen. We we're still not clear on on these other deaths that occurred, how they occurred, why they occurred. Um, uh, you know, Tucker Carlson uh, expressed skepticism on that, and in that case, he was right. But, um, but okay, fine. And so others, yeah. and look, he's he's made stuff up. But let, let's. I'm what I'm what I'm saying is to me the way the system works is you can have your your it's it's almost it's almost healthy to have someone like a tucker carlson um even when they're they're wrong um because it it forces the it makes it keeps the government honest and uh, see, vice versa. I, that's and, where i disagree and, with you i i think it's healthy okay. to have skeptics but it's not healthy to have amoral liars uh that they, they don't they don't contribute anything he doesn't give a damn about the truth he doesn't give a, a damn about the country. I think he is a despicable human being and bringing despicable human beings in simply because they happen to be making their money and gaining their power at this moment by pretending to be skeptics. That doesn't advance any useful, well, I guess, valuable yeah, I mean, the thing. Other, the other thing that, that you know, could be accomplished by this, and you would say this wouldn't happen because he's a terrible person. Um but supposing Tucker sits through the 20,000 hours of footage and says, oh, man, that really was yeah. bad. Wow. Yeah. Come on. You, no, know you say that that won't happen. Um, but I think there's also the, the sort of corollary of 20, if Tucker Carlson sits through 20,000 hours uh, and doesn't come out with some new bombshell saying, aha, look, here's here's the, um, uh, uh, you know, FBI false flag. Here's evidence of the FBI false flag in, uh, uh, job. Um, again, those, those, those claims ought to, ought to recede. Well, right? first off, Tucker and Carlson say, look, Hey, look, the guy had all the evidence here and he still couldn't come up. It, it's sort of the release the Kraken type that, thing. That's right? not how, but that's not how it's going to work. Number one, Tucker Carlson probably will listen. will will watch almost none of this. This is what, this is what interns and staff are for. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure some of it. And, well, it will be, it will be watched with the instruction, find something that can, that looks good, that fits the, the narrative. But I can guarantee you that Tucker Carlson at no point is going to come on the air and say, you know what? I was wrong. 
I watched this footage and things weren't what I was saying. He is going to, I guarantee you, 100%, I'm I, positive. I, I, I think you're right, yeah. So, so again, this is why I, I blame, well, I almost... I almost don't blame Tucker Carlson because he is who he is and he's this despicable human being and you can't, you know, the the scorpion's going to be the scorpion. Uh, But uh, it's Kevin McCarthy who uh, sometimes it's actually the weak people, the people who are so thirsty, so desperate for power to stay in power, who actually enable these awful people. And so in a way, I think Kevin McCarthy is, is more at fault because Kevin McCarthy at least had some you can make some argument that he is a moral actor as opposed to Tucker Carlson. But clearly this, this suggests that he's, it doesn't really matter as much as, you know, attempting to appease the, his right flank. I, that, that's a, that's a fair argument to make. All right. Yes. <laughs> All right then. But I know I, I, again, I, 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 I guess I keep coming back to uh, Tucker Carlson. will get this information eventually, right? If it's shared with everyone, your, your biggest issue is, that he is somehow being highlighted uh, and given given preferential yes. treatment by getting it first. Yes, exactly. And then that that sets a bad example because as a bad actor, he should not be rewarded for his bad behavior. There you go. And also, yeah. getting it first, he gets to have the first crack at sort of creating the the, the narrative that a lot of folks. Yeah, love. but I'd always I'd always rather have the the second crack than the first. Right. I'd always much rather be able to to do the rebuttal uh, uh, and say, "Hey, here's here's you know what what uh, he said, and and this isn't true. Let me show you." I think that's always the much stronger position to be in. But uh, maybe in a courtroom, um, I, I would. All right, but uh, yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, uh, on that note, we will we will end. But but let's talk about recommendations. I don't know, Jay. Do you have any recommendations for this week? Gosh, I, I'm I'm afraid I don't. You don't. Well, you know, I have one. Other than, so I, you that, know, can't wait for the tapes to come out. And <laughs> yeah. Everybody should watch those. Yeah, de- definitely. Uh, see if Tucker maybe will let you into the uh, will we'll let you into the screening room and you can watch some tapes with Tucker. But I, I actually have a, a recommendation. Uh, this this one is for for a song from one of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, I don't know if you probably know them. They're very low low brow. So Jay, you probably don't. Uh, called Nerf Herder. I don't know if you've heard of them. Oh, I know Nerf Herder, of course. Okay, okay. Well, they released a song, I guess it's a little while ago, but I just first, I just came across it this last week called We All Got COVID. And it's a, it's, it's a fun song. Uh, not too many fun songs about getting COVID, but I enjoyed it. And it's a classic sort of Nerf Herder style. And I would say it's well worth, I don't know, it's probably the two minutes and 32 seconds or something like that that you would, that you would pay. And I'll make sure I have a link for that on there. So you want something a little lighter and fun. And if you didn't, think getting COVID could be fun. Well, you're probably right. It certainly wasn't fun for me, but uh, I think it's a fun song and I really enjoy Nerf Herder. So there you go. Um, all right. So uh, before we do, before we do go, I should let everyone know that if you are not already a supporter of the politics guys, we do hope to consider becoming one. And I should point out as well that we can, we have the first month now of support on Patreon on us free. Just sign up for nothing. See if you like it, that sort of thing. And you can do that at Patreon, patreon.com slash politics guys. And if you're a supporter, you get ad free versions of everything. You get our full midweek show. So some good stuff. And also membership in our discord group, which is always very active and fun and interesting. So 
Again, to check it all out, go to patreon.com slash politicsguys. You can also become a supporter through us uh, on Venmo. That's at politicsguys or through PayPal. And all support links are in the show notes as well as at politicsguys.com slash support. And if you'd like to get that midweek show, but you just can't financially support the show at this point, not a problem. Send me an email, mike at politicsguys.com, and I will get you all set up. And if you'd like to just get in touch with us for whatever reason, if you're a supporter, of course, you can get on the Discord. There's our Facebook and Twitter accounts, and the links to that are in the show notes as well, or just old-fashioned email, mail at politicsguys.com. And finally, as always, a very special thanks to our wonderful executive producers, Bruce Johnson, Wilma Moreno, Andre Masker, Daniel Toe, Ryan Beasley, and Don Oglesby. We'll be back with a new episode for you next week. We hope you'll join us.